0: Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Zevin Olderberg, and he is the host of Kind of Murdery Podcast. He recently had me on his podcast, and I had a blast, so I had to have him on mine. Zevin, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Leslie. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, it was so much fun having you on Kind of Murdery. Uh... You told a phenomenal story. I, I hope everybody goes and checks out Kind of Murdery and listens to Leslie's story, which we've called uh, Patrick Bateman and the Napa <laughs> Bass." My goodness, that's a great one. Yeah.
0: And you know what, guys? I'm not going to share it here. You have to go to Zevin's podcast, Kind of Murdery, to go listen to it because nobody has ever heard this story. And guys, his podcast is great. Zevin, you started uh, podcasting, I don't know, what, a couple years ago? Are you in the L.A. area for now?
1: Uh, I'm actually even newer than that. We dropped our first episode on January 28th of 2021, oh, so wow. okay, yeah, you, I, you I'm, I'm you. a newbie. Okay, yeah.
0: I guess you're about six months after me. Well, golly, you guys started really not very long ago. You're doing very well. You've got a lot of good reviews on your podcast. Good for you, Zevin.
1: Oh thank you so much. Uh you know, we're we're very grateful to the people that listen and I also am just lucky because I've been able to form some relationships in my life and my career of some folks that have been artistically pretty successful and uh they were kind enough to join me uh, on the show in our first season. So I think that got us off to a little bit of a of a strong start and we hope to keep building the audience because as you know, it's that organic engagement and the opportunity to to speak to what listeners want to hear is really what what grows a show.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what, guys, when he covers some of this history... I have never heard some of these stories that he finds. I don't know how the heck he finds these stories, but they are doozies. And the one he shared with me Uh, on his part. Oh, it was so funny. Well, not funny. It was kind of murdery. But uh, (laughs) but um, so what do you cover? I know you cover true crime and history and unsolved mysteries, but what else do you cover?
1: So the way the show is set up, first of all, can I tell you a little bit about how the show came to be? Because I think that that also speaks to what we like to cover. So, this is kind of a, a funny story. It might not be what every family chooses to do, but uh, when my daughter was six years old for her spring break, uh, so this was, gosh, three and a half, almost four years ago now. Yeah. Um, I do know how old my kid is, I swear. I love her dearly. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> four, four years ago now, it was spring break, and we live in LA, and we decided to take my daughter and her best friend to Las Vegas for spring break. Um, you know, and when you're, when you're a single adult and you're driving to Vegas in the evening and you're thinking about the lights and the crap tables and the excitement and all that, the crap tables, the craps tables, excuse me, I, I'm not dreaming of the crap tables. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: you know what? I don't judge. I don't judge. Um, I don't judge.
1: <laughs> but, you know, and, and the cover of darkness makes everything sort of glamorous, just like your imagination. But when you drive back from Vegas in the middle of the day, you see you know, how real those little desert towns can be. So what happened was, I'm in the car with my wife and my daughter and her friend, and we're hungry, and we need gas. And we're passing a little town and we see what looks like a gas station and a a diner, it was a Coco's or something. And we go, Okay, let's get a Let's get a bite. Let's get some gas. And I pull off the highway, and I pull up to this gas station. And as I'm pulling up, I realize that The entire gas station, diner, the whole little mini mall area is completely abandoned and totally covered in just Technicolor spray paint graffiti and Mm. and a lot of really awful things. I mean, just curse words and gosh, there was a swastika. I mean, just like real. all of a sudden you're going, oh, man, this place is really creepy. There was (laughs) (laughs) – Paintings of human genitalia, you could oh, you can yeah. imagine. That's um, always good to have so, when you have your and daughter I, with I you. Got yeah. These little six-year-olds in the car. And <laughs> oh, so no. I kind of back away like Homer Simpson going backwards <laughs> through the hedge. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know? <laughs> and I and I hop in the car and I kind of throw it in reverse, tires squealing as we get back out to the highway and I turn and I say, Oh gosh, well that place was kinda murdery. <laughs> <laughs> That is where um, you
0: coined the phrase, kind of murder. It,
1: it is, because I had never been, uh, at that time, I was not somebody who was super into true crime or super into horror or kind of walking on the darker side of human stories, and, and because I, I have a powerful imagination and I get a little creeped out. So the humor of calling it kind of murdery was kind of my defense mechanism, oh, sure. my way to be okay with the sort of human degradation or evidence of it that yeah. we had just seen. And, and so that was the inspiration of, for the show, which was how can I tell these darker stories in, in a way that is – while still being respectful to the realities of violence and, of course, innocent victims and everything else, but in a way that is a little bit lighter and a little more fun and, and hopefully doesn't make me feel like I need to take a shower at the end of it. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, you know, with, with true crime, don't get me wrong, it's never, like, lighthearted and fun and all that, but so much of it is so dark and so, you know, like you said, kind of murdery to where, hey, I still want to hear the story, but there's some people that... really don't want to hear it and and be so creeped out they don't want to keep going so that's what's so cool about your show you keep it going like when I was on his show guys he did this story about from 1908 about a murder and um it wasn't you know the the actual thing that happened was horrific but the way he presented it and the way we talked about it we still got to the root of things but we still popped in a little humor if nothing else just to get through it and to make it honestly more interesting and to you know challenge what happens today as opposed to then and you know sometimes it's not much different
1: right you you put your finger on it and, and what we try to focus on first of all I I do tend to avoid super dark tragic stories and try to find things that are a little bit on the wild side of oh my gosh can you believe that happened (laughs) can you believe that these are the conclusions that somebody drew from it you know Somebody gets arrested and then gets a job as a mechanic in the garage at the prison and they give him a souped up car to fix. And he literally fixes the souped up car and right in front of the guards, hops into it and speeds away. And because it was like this souped up police car with armor and a giant engine on it, then they can't catch him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that sort of thing is is what I'm really looking for like a cops so and robbers yeah yeah kind of murdery is not necessarily about murder it's sometimes just about things that are kind of murdery kind of bizarre <laughs> garish yeah. fantastic. You know, that's the idea.
0: But I, but I love that. And that's fun for me. If nothing else, it's so different than anything out there. And that's, I love the different aspect of it. So so what started you podcasting was just trying to relay these stories. And did you have like a team of people that wanted to do it with you? Or did you just kind of start it by yourself? How did you do that?
1: So I did. Um, what happened was I called a good friend of mine uh, during the pandemic who lived in New York to, to see how he and his family were doing. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he had started a production company based on crime stories. And I said, oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I always had this idea for a show called Kind of Murdery. And I didn't even really realize I was pitching the show. I was just talking to my buddy. And I, and I described it because our season one was called Kind of Murdery Ghost Towns of the Mojave Desert. Oh, wow. uh, now we're in season two, which is Kind of Murdery The Emerald Triangle, which is the part of Northern California that is the hub of marijuana production in the U.S. and also happens to be where I grew up. But so I told him my idea for a show and he said, you know what, let's make it. So uh, I was really lucky to have a team of people to support me as I walked into podcasting and learned what I was doing. And we did a really fun, fantastic first season together. And I'm very grateful to all those guys. And then we, we decided... In season two that um, we would part ways so that I could continue the show um, on a more individual intimate basis which I felt like would serve these stories better and also just make the production of the show a lot easier because I didn't have as many people's schedules to defer to. And that's so. what
0: I was going to tell you getting people scheduled, and you know, because I'm so happy and so grateful that I just, it's a one woman show for me. So I totally get that. I totally get that. And what I love about your podcast is you have a different guest each week tell a story, which leads me to you, you made me tell you my mud and bath story. And I won't say any more about that. Everybody go to his episode, I think it's episode six season two um so yeah yeah. it's
1: called eureka with leslie fear and it (laughs) features patrick bateman and the napa mud baths um the other stories we have are called the railroading of jack donnelly and the felonious finn or file and die that's right (laughs) that was
0: so funny so i know you have a story for me so let's give them a little taste of what you do on your podcast so tell me what is so funny or weird or crazy that has happened to you
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you just alluded to, the way that my podcast is formatted is I will tell a historical story, and then I turn it over to my guest, like you, who tells a great story from their own lives, and then I'll usually tell one more historical story, and we kind of wrap it up. Um, So today, as I'm your guest, I'm instead of trying to tell you a historical story, I'm going to tell you a fun story from my own life. (laughs) Um, And I actually, if you don't mind, I've got Two. The first one's sure. short, but I also think that it is uh, indicative of this place, the Emerald Triangle, where I grew up and where this season of Kind of Murdery is centered. Okay. Um, it's in the far Pacific Northwest. It's the combination of three counties, which are Mendocino County, Humboldt County, which is where I'm from, and then Trinity Counties. And you know it's famous, as I said, for being the center of marijuana production in the U.S. There's a lot of hippie culture up there, but there's also a lot of kind of backwoods logging, uh, dairy farms, fisheries. So it's a real oh, yeah. okay, yeah. It's almost a microcosm of America in the sense that it's a it's a real cultural combination of what people would perceive to be kind of coastal culture but also more heartland or or southern or southeastern culture as well. They've got everything up there. But certainly the, uh, the drug culture is there, no doubt. And this story is a story of mine from high school. I believe it was my junior year. And I grew up in the middle of the woods, an hour from the nearest town, the town I went to high school in, off the power grid, all wood heating, wood cooking, solar and water power Wow! so we were like a modern uh swiss family robinson
0: that you know nobody Uh, did that back then so you were like one of you were like a pioneer
1: yeah my parents were sort of back to the land hippies and bought 160 (laughs) acres of land in the middle of the woods and uh, that's where i grew up and for most of my childhood i didn't really realize that i was like a monk in a sylvan (laughs) monastery Um,
0: But it's so cool that you had that much land. We have 35 acres and a little weekend place just about an hour and a half from here. And we love it. And it's a great getaway. So I get that part of this. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Keep going.
1: Oh, no, please, please. I love to be interrupted. (laughs) My show works the best when people interrupt me all the time. So I'll probably be better on your show if you interrupt me willy nilly. (laughs) So thank you. Um, Yeah, so... By the time I was in high school, though, I I started to feel pretty isolated, you know, socially and otherwise, because I'm like the only one out there with my family. And so I had a good friend uh, for the purpose of this story. We'll call him Ernie. (laughs) The names have been changed, but the problems are real. Um, And uh, Ernie lived in Arcata, which is where I went to high school. So sometimes on the weekends, I would arrange to spend the night at Ernie's house so that we could usually under the auspices of going to see a movie, kind of go out on the town and be ne'er do well teenagers. Heck yeah. Um yeah, you know, you know how it is. So on this particular this particular day, we had planned to go see the Godzilla movie that came out in the nineties. And I think we had gone down to the plaza in the center of town and, and slipped like eight dollars to a transient guy who bought a <laughs> liter of pop off vodka for us. Oh
0: my god <laughs> <laughs>
1: to this day um pop off is my least favorite uh not pop off but but vodka actually is my least favorite alcohol. But I don't think it's vodka's fault. I think it's my fault. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say vodka but, uh, is absolutely my favorite. So we we have something in common, yeah. but maybe not in common.
1: I, <laughs> I bet you're not drinking the bottom shelf stuff out of the plastic bottle, though.
0: I didn't even know like. You I had was that. in 17. So, yeah, okay. um, <laughs> now, how old were you at this point?
1: <laughs> yeah, 17. Okay, 17. Okay, okay. So we're it's the afternoon, and we're in this beautiful park called Redwood Park, sort of just killing time, hanging out until we can start our evening revels. And we're lying there on the grass, shooting the bull. And this guy with a dog comes walking up to us, young, friendly-looking guy. And we can see that he's probably going to ask us a question. And he walks up, and all of a sudden, he starts signing, sign language. Oh, okay. Um, Very, very animated, very kind of intense, trying to communicate with us. And, of course... Neither of us, well, I shouldn't say of course, but neither of us understand sign language, so we don't we don't know what he's trying to communicate. Um, But we're not far from the park's parking lot, so when he can't get through to us, he goes back to his car, and he gets a pen and a notepad. Okay. And he walks back over, and he's scribbling on this notepad. And, you know, I'm starting to think, gosh, does he need help? You know, yeah. what, what's happening here? And then, finally, the suspense is building, and he hands me the notepad. And the notepad says... Do you know where I can buy four pounds of magic mushrooms?
0: Oh, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know if anybody's too familiar with magic mushrooms, and I and I won't, I won't say how I know this, but <laughs> suffice to say, they tend to be sold in one eighth of an ounce quantities. Oh, so wow. there's there's sixteen ounces to a pound. Uh, well, 16 times 8, 80, 48, 100. So he's 128 eighths to a pound, right? Yeah. And then he wants to buy four pounds. My God. So we're talking over 500 street doses, if you will. And and we're just like, real. first of all, we're 17. I mean, I thought I was all grown up and cool, <laughs> but like I was a, ch- now I see a 17 year old and they look like they're 12 to me. Oh, I know, um, I know, yeah.
0: This is a little over a 17 year old's head. And what did what happened? What did you say
1: to him? Um, We were just kind of like, uh, I mean, first we said nothing because we were flabbergasted. And then and then we were just like, no, sorry. uh, You might (laughs) you might try the I think I wrote try the plaza, which is the center of town where we'd found the guy to buy the pop off for us. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That, that guy's in the know. At least he got you some vodka. Was this guy like your age, or was he older or younger? I mean, younger than you, or?
1: Uh, it was just he was just probably in his twenties or thirties, oh, just okay. some transient person who was, you know, we I think we gave him a twenty and he bought the seven dollar vodka and got to keep the change or something. But um, they, oh, are you talking about the the, the death?
0: Yeah, man? yeah. I was talking about the guy asking yeah, for the most. Probably in his thirties.
1: Oh, okay. He was okay. in his 30s, I would say. That's why, I mean, and he was very clean cut looking. Like, we, I did not see this coming at all. I thought it was going to be, <laughs> do you know where the bathroom is? I'm about to crap my pants. No, like, I'm lost. Can you help me? Like, I, I it, it did not. Do you know where I can buy four pounds of mushrooms was, like, completely completely well, out it is of the such blue.
0: a precise uh, measurement it's like I need specifically four pounds and I need him right now and what what a weird and odd thing to ask especially two young guys that clearly are under
1: children yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that is so weird well obviously you probably left after that and it was just a done deal but do you have another story for me
1: I I, I do I've got one more okay. so uh I lived in India for a year between high school and college. Oh nice. Yeah, and India is an amazing place somebody famously said of it whatever you can say whatever you say about India the opposite is also true. Oh wow. And sort of sort of the metaphorical example of that would be something like you can go to the center of town and there will be a beautiful botanical garden and you walk in the garden and you feel like you're walking through Heaven, you know, there's beautiful trees Aww. and flowers and everything is pristine. But then outside of the gate, like butted up right against the gate, will be a giant mountain of garbage with a family of pigs, like a giant mother and all of the baby oh pigs, like living there, butted up against this, you know, Xanadu of a heavenly botanical garden. Wow. So that's sort of a metaphor for what it can be like. Sure, um, and. I lived, I was an exchange student. Oh, okay. uh, I was
0: going to ask you how you came to be or if your parents decided they needed some India kind of freedom. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, or space for you, yeah, Uh,
0: from the alcoholic 17-year-old.
1: Hey, now, I, I I thought you promised me this was going to be a, a, a no-judging party, Leslie. Oh,
0: I am not judging because, dude, for, I love me some vodka. I, all of my listeners know that, which is kind of sad, actually. But, um, no, I'm sorry. Keep going.
1: No, it's fine. Hey, at least I didn't know where to get four pounds of magic mushrooms at 17. Well, you know,
0: it would have been impressive, but I would have wondered who the hell I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So so I lived with four different host families for three months apiece while I was in India and you know, in India, a lot of people are Hindus and so they have a very, um, laissez faire non-interference attitude towards other living creatures. That's probably a little different than a lot of us here might interact. Like uh, as an example, especially in Texas, um, (laughs) right, right. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. Yes. Uh, You guys are out hunting wild boar. You're probably about to leave to go on a wild boar hunting trip, like as we speak, right? Uh, Well,
0: well, no, I mean, we, my husband has honestly tons of guns. I say tons of guns. My husband has several guns, Um, but we don't, we don't hunt. We just like it for target practice. We, like I said, we have that land and he just likes to shoot him and be a dude and have a gun. He doesn't do anything more than that. We just, we, we have a deer feeder and we just want to see the deer literally that's why we have yeah
1: I, I get it and i grew up in the as i said in the wilderness so yeah. you know i grew up around guns as well and it was a you know they are tools we're yeah. our family we weren't fetishists we, you know you have hammers and saws and you also have mountain lions and bears and so you own oh yeah, yeah. rifles yeah. And, and other guns so for an example in terms of this non-interference attitude that comes along with the culture and the and the belief system mm-hmm. a cobra's venomous like a king cobra which you know lives in the wild in india they're also seen as the stewards of wealth and money Mm. so if you were to find a cobra in your house you would not ever kill it because if you were to kill it that would be extremely detrimental to the financial fortunes of your family going forward oh
0: wow Okay, well, this is not sounding good.
1: So, well, actually, (laughs) this is not a cobra story. We did once have a cobra in the house, and they sent for a special, literally a snake charmer, who comes and charms the snake into a basket and takes it away and releases it. Uh, But I just wanted to use that as an example of how, how seriously they take this idea of not interfering or harming animals in the course of their natural process. So much so that even if you have... A venomous potentially deadly snake in the house you would take great pains not to harm it so i'm going to high school uh, i'm doing another senior year of high school at a indian high school okay. and i'm living at my family's house and they have a big grassy front yard like a huge area of somewhat overgrown yard space <laughs> and every morning i have a bicycle that i keep just in front of the porch in the, in the family's yard and I hop on the bicycle and I ride my bicycle to school. Well, one morning I walk out of the house and I walk down the steps of the front porch and this wild street dog, this male street dog with mange and just saliva flying everywhere comes flying across the yard, barking viciously at me. And he's just like, I feel like he's coming to kill me. And, you know, and I, and I know about these dogs because packs of feral street dogs also roamed the town. Right. Um, and, and so I, I basically run back inside the house and I, and I call over my host father and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get on my bike to bike to school. And this just insane, rabid, I don't know if it was rabid, but I felt like it was rabid dog yeah. is, is coming to kill me. Can you help me, please? I don't know how I'm going to get to school. Yeah. Well, I thought maybe he would, you know, drive me to school. Right. Or do something to, you know, somewhat permanently remove the dog from the yard. I'm not suggesting he should have killed the dog by any means, but take some kind of proactive action, right? Right. Well, here's what he does. Uh Uh-oh. He goes and he gets a two-by-four that's about 15 feet long maybe 20 feet long, like a big, long two-by-four. Then he walks down the front steps and tells me to go get on my bike. And so as I head towards my bike, this dog comes running towards us, snarling, slavering, the whole thing. And my host father starts whacking this 15-foot-long two-by-four on the ground in front of himself, like left, center, right, left, center, right. Bam, bam, bam. Bam. so the, the two by four keeps the dog from being able to get anything closer than like you know the length of the two by four to us oh my at God. which point I hop on my bike and start pedaling for dear life <laughs> right? as soon as as soon as I'm out of range of the two by four the dog takes off after oh. me. And is basically trying to catch me and, you know, I feel like he's trying to eat me until I pass out of the family's yard, which is probably his, I want to say, pee-pee perimeter. Like, he had essentially set up the yard as his feral dog love palace and he marked (laughs) his territory. And I was a you know i was a another male challenging him and he was going to take me down up until i crossed over the perimeter at which point he would peel away and leave me alone
0: but did this just like come out of the blue all of a sudden this feral dog just wants to take you down and what'd you do what'd you do
1: one morning because school started at seven so i'd get up at about five thirty and leave the house at about six because it took about 45 minutes or so to bike to school. Um, and one morning as I was walking to my bike, all of a sudden this wild dog appeared. And then, you know, my host father came up with this whacking the two by four solve, although I feel like solve is kind of a strong word. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would you do on, on the way home?
1: That, every morning when I went to school, he would come out with the two by four and do the whack, whack, whack. <laughs> I would hop on the bike and pedal for dear freaking life until I made it across the piss perimeter with this dog nipping at my heels and then I would be off to school but my gosh What'd you, you do know, on the I,
0: way home though Wouldn't he wouldn't he try to do it to you on the way home
1: You know he never did he never did in the, on the way home I don't I had never thought about why maybe in the afternoons he had somewhere else to be or maybe uh, he was I don't just know tired. the dog was never around <laughs> in the afternoon but I I think now, and you know, when you're 19, I was 19, when you're 19, you think you're invincible, right. but you know, Leslie, I actually have cerebral palsy. Oh, okay. um, I'm a handicapped person and my left leg is where it manifests. I'm lucky I had enough surgeries, gait corrective surgeries in my life that I can walk pretty normally now, but gosh, I never learned to ride a bike till I was 10 or 11 and it took a long time. Because my balance is is skewed, my legs are different lengths, and various things. Right. And um, I think now, my if I had ever fallen on the bike while I was still in the yard, goodness, I don't know what would have happened to right. me. Right? I, yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> your host father apparently knew how to how to handle it, and you're right. Uh, if it had been in Texas, uh, the host father would have just said, "Hold on, let me go get my shotgun." I mean, seriously. You know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I, of course, I, I love animals. I love oh, dogs. Oh, yeah. I'm a dog owner. I never would endorse any cruelty to any animals. But if you have a feral yes. dog yes. trying to, like, attack and bite your, your child on a daily basis you know, you might have to explore more severe options or at least call animal control or something. That's what I was saying. This... Yeah,
0: exactly. I don't, but I don't know if India has that kind of situation going on where, uh, well, they might. I mean, maybe they have more there because they do try to save the animals. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, luckily, I mean, hey, I guess it, it all worked out. I raced the rabid dog out of the yard for about three weeks and then he finally disappeared. And I never did get bitten or injured. And now I have a story to tell on because I want to know with Leslie Fierce. So I guess it all worked out for the best. It
0: totally uh, did. And that story, it's like I said, it's so unique. I've never heard any kind of story like that. And how cool that you got to live in India. So, um, but Zevin, no, thank you so much for joining me. Tell my listeners where they can find you and your social media. Tell them everything.
1: Oh, absolutely. My show is called Kind of Murdery. Um, we're on all social media platforms at Kind of Murdery. Uh, That's K-I-N-D-A-M-U-R-D-E-R-Y, Kinda Murdery. And we do a combination of history, true crime, a little bit of interview, a little bit of comedy. Um, So if you like the story that I told just now, that's the kind of story that my guests might tell on the show um of course as we mentioned before leslie told the the wonderful story of patrick bateman and the napa mud baths <laughs> um and then around those personal anecdotes that are hopefully light and often funny or maybe dark and heavy but compelling i like to find historical stories that are similarly bizarre and interesting and share those with the listeners and the guests as well so that's the show, and uh, that's kind of murdery. And I'm just so thankful to you, Leslie, for having me here on because I want to know., uh, it's fantastic. Oh
0: thank you. No, and I'm gonna add all of your information on my show notes. I'll put your Instagram link, and uh, I think you're on you're on probably on Facebook as well. are you?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, okay. kind of murdery on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Oh. Yeah, I get Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. that's that's where we are okay. in the- Then we have the website is through our hosting service, which is audio boom. But uh, if you just Google us, you'll find us. We're, we're all over the place. Right.
0: Fantastic. And like I said, Zevins, uh, his podcast, guys, go go give it a listen. And if you love it, review it for him. Uh, let's let's help him get some more listens. He's got almost as much as I do, so I don't even know why I'm helping you.
1: <laughs> we're, 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 we could help each other, right? I mean, right. certainly uh, it was a pleasure <laughs> to have you on. And uh, this Sunday, our guest is director and screenwriter Chris Peckover, who uh, is the director of a a cult hit horror film called Better Watch Out, which is a nice. a Christmas horror movie. And he has another movie in the works right now that he's casting, and he's a super compelling, interesting guy. And so please check us out when we drop Kind of Murdery with Chris Peck over this Sunday. Uh, I hope you all enjoy it. Absolutely.
0: Hey, Zevin, thanks so much for joining me. You've been so much fun. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for having me.
1: It's, it's an absolute pleasure.